We think about ourselves quite a bit throughout the day, don't we? It certainly doesn't help matters as we're living in a self-centered society where people typically think me first. What would happen if we placed others before our own self-interests, <laughs> like Jesus did? Today on The Road to Reality, we take you to John chapter 6, which beautifully portrays God's heart towards the lost, the suffering, and the needy. Jesus truly cares about others, but do we share his concern? Here's Brother K.P. O'Hannon to have us think that through. I just came back from overseas a few days ago, and uh, as I was landing in Dallas International Airport, some wicked American gave me the flu. <laughs> um, and I, I, I didn't bring that from uh, Nepal or India. And um, again, whoever did that to me, they are not from California, must be from Texas. <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting over that. I'm, I'm doing better. My voice is not all there completely. But then, uh, I'd like to spend the next few minutes just talk to you. And uh, I'd like to ask of you a favor. That is, please don't look for five, six-point sermons or outlines I'm going to give. And I don't want to pretend uh, or you think that I have something very new and amazing to tell you. I have done my theological studies and got my Greek and Hebrew and philosophy and uh, all that. Not that I'm ignorant. But in my uh, journey with the Lord, when I was eight years old, my mother led me to Jesus. When I was barely 17, the Lord called me to serve him. Now I'm 23. <laughs> um, if you are confused about how old I am, I am 64. But in this journey of my little life with the Lord, I, I realize that the reason why the Lord called us to know him and then give us a few years to be here on earth. You know, when you came to know the Lord, if the ultimate objective was to have you in heaven, um, he could transport you and translate you or I didn't want to use the word kill you. Um, and uh, so he's so selfish. So um, want you to be there. He could have done it. But look back and see. I told you when I gave my life to my Lord when I was eight years old, I didn't know a whole lot. But he left me here for this many years and how many years more, I don't know. I mean, that's true of your life. Unless you just came to know the Lord two seconds ago. You will have a few years to go, I imagine, now. But then why? Why he would do that? And the obvious answer is, he is now sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's the head. And he calls us his body. And, and he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. But then, when you hear a statement like that, that Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so send I you, immediately we think about work, going as a missionary, doing things. We can't think anything more than what our limited mind, our understanding, our activity can handle. 
But then, when we look at Christ's life, 4,000 years he waited, may I say, in my thinking, impatiently to come to this earth. Because the scripture says the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, and he was watching people that he made with his own hands and his image, beaten, abused, destroyed, killed and raped and murdered. And, you know, I have two children. My son Danny uh, came with me uh, yesterday here, and you know him. And, you know, I'm not terribly an emotional person, but when I'm overseas somewhere or traveling, if somebody tells me, my wife says, you know, Danny is sick or my daughter is not doing well, uh, so what's the big deal about it? There's a million people who are sick all the time. But when it comes to my son and my daughter, something this I can't help but inside me start crawling and make me feel sad and, and I pray a little extra more. And, you know, for Jesus to watch humanity being so hurt and ruined by Satan. And there's no other way for them to be rescued. I can't tell my son go to the doctor and get some medicine. But he can do that. No angel, nothing, nothing could fix it. And only pouring out his blood and God dying to give us hope. But he, he just had to wait until the time the father said, son, it is time you should go. So we read in the prophetic psalm, it says, Lo, I come to do thy will, as it is written of me in the volumes. And also it says, at the right appointed time, God sent his son. So who is God? The Holy Trinity. He is the creator. And it's a mystery we may not be able to completely understand. But then he comes to this earth. What do I want to do if my son is drowning or my grandchild is drowning or my wife is now in an accident or something? What do I want to do? Go and stand there for 30 years and look at this thing and watch someone struggling and drowning? No, I want to leap into the river, into the pond. Or hold up my hand and hold all the traffic and, and rush and try to find out what's happening in that accident. But then Jesus comes for 30 years. There's silence. There's no healing, miracles, activity, great events, nothing. He's just now watching in flesh, sharing the humanity, the agony, the temptation, the sorrows, and watches all around him what is happening, Satan destroying and killing. John 10.10, 10, Jesus talked about it. Why he couldn't go to the cross when he was 15? If that's the reason he came, and that's the reason he came. That, you know, how many times he said he came only for one purpose, to save sinners. And there's only way was to give his life. 
why he couldn't do it at the age 20. But here is God on earth walking in flesh. He could have done it anytime. I have a strange thought. It don't have to be biblical, but I said it's mine, eh? okay? So don't attack me. <laughs> when the Bible says Jesus was tempted in all things that we are, you think he was ever tempted to say, this is not going to work. I'm going to go back home. You think he was ever tempted to say, I don't think it's going to work. It's too much. Remember, he was a man. The agony, the pain, the despair, the misunderstanding, he was called a bastard. So, your mother we know, but who is your father? Implied. Don't think you are something special. He was dealing with it as a man. You think he was ever tempted to say, let them all go to hell, and I'm going back home. Could he have done it? Absolutely. Any time he could easily walk back and sit on the throne because he was always God and always will be. But then, why these 30 years before he would go into the river and subject himself under the hand of his creation, the final signature, I submit and I surrender I choose. But in all those years, we may have a clue what happened. When the scripture says, and Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Please understand that is not talking about the cross, the blood, the nail, and the beatings and the abuse and the crown of thorns. It is not. When it says in First Peter, and he suffered for us, leaving this example that we may follow in his footsteps, really is not talking about the final hours of his life on earth. If that be the case, example, then we all should go and find somebody else to crucify us. I don't think you want that. So what am I talking about? You see, Jesus living as a man on earth, knowing fully what the Father's will was. Knowing fully, without absolutely, without one confusion about it. So fully, this is the will of God. But it will take some years for him to die to himself and say no to himself and suffer in the flesh, giving up his rights and come to the place finally he will lay down his life on the cross. Well, some saw this as a problem, but Jesus saw it as an opportunity, an opportunity to display his love and compassion and teach his disciples a very important lesson. When we return to Brother K.P. Yohannan, he'll encourage us to share God's love and compassion for others. You know, with Christmas rapidly approaching, perhaps you've been scurrying around and looking for just the right gift for your loved ones. Well, today we'd like to ask you to consider giving a gift that has the power to really change a life forever. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
Well, through GFA's Christmas Critter Campaign, families are being rescued from poverty, and they're experiencing the love of Christ. On our website, you'll find quite a number of gifts that you can actually give to a poor and needy family in Asia. Gifts like goats, lambs, blankets, toolkits, a Jesus well, and more. Take a look at the Christmas gift catalog at roadtoreality.org. That's roadtoreality.org. You can also call us at 866-946-2742. That's 866-946-2742. And if you're in Canada, go to roadtoreality.ca or call 888-946-2742. We observed Jesus' heart towards a multitude of people in the first half of our message, but as we return to KP, now we see his heart of compassion for one individual. So what this has to do with the missions, because I talk about missions all the time, that's my life. You've been going to this church how long? How much Bible study you've been getting? How many books you read? How many family counselings you went to? How many books you read about raising your children, about knowing God and being moral and upright. Some of you went to Holy Land. I recommend you go. But did that make you holy? No, I'm not trying to condemn you or criticize you or make you look dumb and stupid. But here's the thing. When Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, it's an invitation for us to become like him so that we become Today in our life, during the time you live here, the 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 100 years, whatever years since you came to know him, his goal is to incarnate his passion, his life, his humility, his brokenness, his world, and live as he lived today in our home, in our workplace, on the road, on the mission field, and the way we handle our money, make our decisions and whatever we do. So the ultimate goal really the Father has, Romans 8, 28 and 29, that is that we may be conformed, transformed into the image of his dear son. Here's a question. Why then, after all the information I have and you have, all the years of my life learning by reading hundreds of times, What is my problem? Why is it that I find myself the carnality, the self-centeredness, and the unwillingness, and the hardness of heart? Well, the answer, at least for me, I find it again and again and again. That is my unwillingness to obey. And my unwillingness to obey because my unwillingness to embrace suffering and difficulties. Now, having said that, now you may be thinking, wow, what Bible verse is going to talk about? I got one for you. Gospel of Matthew. If you are looking for a passage of scripture to get some understanding about why I am saying all these things to you so long, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7, you know those passages known as the Sermon on the Mount, although it is really not a sermon. When Jesus saw a whole lot of people, he called his disciples and went and sat by the mountainside and 
and he, it says he need to talk to them. And he talks to them about, you know, all these fellows who are so religious, don't be like them. And if you, you sum up the whole three chapters, basically it is about be of a different kind. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't seek your savior, not give away. Don't try to impress other people with your stuff you have or you have not. Uh, just be like me. And then what Jesus says, from the time the father told him, son, this is time to start telling people what this is all about. But you need to do something. Get a bunch of disciples, a few people, and you need to teach them to become like you. So when you come home, they will continue the journey. That's the reason why I think those years, and Jesus picked a bunch of disciples not the way I would do it. You heard that a thousand times. The only educated person among the disciples was Judas from the southern part of Judea. And he was the only one able to figure out how much money he got, how much he lost. And he stole all of it, I think. And these disciples were picked, handpicked by God. John 17, you know that. But what was his assignment? Christ's assignment was, he said, come and see. He had them live with him. And then they, they saw him praying and said, we watch you do this. Please teach us. We have a school of discipleship. Young people, 30, 40 young people come for a year long to Dallas to be at our office there. And these young people come Many of them come thinking that we got a seminary, whatever they want to think. But we do teach them classrooms and everything. But you ask those young people, when the year comes to an end, their lives are so totally, radically altered. And really, it was not mostly by telling them, one, two, three, four, five, six, sit up, sit down, this way, that. No. Basically, they watch people praying. They watch families function. They watch honesty and transparency and tears and brokenness. And they know there's something more than words that talk about Christianity. And so we have chapter 8 and 9. Jesus having these disciples uh, walk with him. And without reading this whole passage, chapter 8, if you're looking at it, yes, you know, chapter 8 begins with the man with the leprosy. And, you know, he knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, I'm willing, be healed. Have you ever been to a colony with 2,000 people with leprosy? Anyone here been to a leper colony? Uh, we have right now colonies where thousands of precious people live contracted the leprosy. And there's no religion when they come there. One thing in common, and the, the times I went to some of those places, with all my theology and understanding and mission heart and everything, I tell you, uh, I, I think about times I ran to find somewhere I can throw up. The, the stench and watching people, their nose completely gone, the ears gone, the fingers gone. And 
if the little children in these families are rescued before they are age nine, they can be saved before they got contract leprosy. And uh, we have you know, a couple of hundred missionaries actually work among these leper colonies. And tonight, in the movie, you will see some of the sisters actually cleaning the wounds of these lepers, leading and helping. And the most beautiful scene I have seen in my life, some of these places, we have worship services. And of course, normally what we tell them, you hold your hand like that, but they have nothing to hold. All the fingers are gone. Then the worship service time, normally we clap our hands like that. But you will find some of these people clapping their hands. Stump, that's all they've got. And um, when they raise their hands, many of them, you don't see any fingers. And um, some of the eyelids, when you look at you can see tears running down. And when you talk to these people, they will say, I know. I'm going to have a whole brand new body that Jesus is going to give me. And we have a few cases here and there. The Lord healed them completely and restored them. Uh, but we have a hospital exclusively only for some 20,000 people who live in those colonies taking care of them. Um, touching them through our hands and crying with them with our eyes, embracing them and helping them know that they are made in the image of God and God loves them. And stories like the book of Acts is abundant. And you will find Jesus is not simply watching the pain and agony, but also he intervenes. That's what he does here. And the disciples now are watching all this. And they're learning this. And as you know, a time will come. He will tell them, now you go and do the same thing. And he sends them two by two. But then you walk on, you'll find in chapter 9, two blind men crying out, Lord, have mercy on us and all that. And, and throughout these gospels, you'll find times when you know, they encountered demon possession and, and the broken and hurting people and all that. Now, look with me, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he, that is Jesus, saw the multitudes or crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In chapter 10, now he tells them, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. I wish he said, I'm going to send you as wolves among sheep. That make it easier. Well, this has been The Road to Reality with K.P. Yohannan. And we have been developing a passion to know Jesus, and we're encouraged to share his love and care for others. Allow me to suggest one way that we can do just that. You know, many in our world have lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas, but that doesn't have to be you. As we close, we'd like to encourage you to visit our website and look over some of the very special gifts that can really help a family break the cycle of poverty. And I should add, it also serves as a tangible expression of God's love to them. Consider giving gifts like farm animals or rickshaw 
sewing machine or Bibles. And as you do, you'll be giving a gift that God can use to change a life forever. It's easy to do online at roadtoreality.org. That's roadtoreality.org. You can also call us toll-free at 866-946-2742. That's 866-946-2742. In Canada, the number is 888-946-2742. Or simply go to roadtoreality.ca on the web. I'll do it for this week, but do come back next time as K.P. Yohannan delivers another heart-searching message here on The Road to Reality.